I've entitled this message, The Plumb Line of God. The Plumb Line of God. In Amos 7, verse 7, it says this. It says, Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. And then he goes on to say something that's very direct. I will not again pass by them anymore. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. And we know that that happened in the Bible and history. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam, Jeroboam of king of Israel saying, Amos has conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and gathered of sycamore, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. He said, Thou sayest, Prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. He said, Therefore, he didn't say Amaziah, but he meant to say Amaziah. Thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. I think about uh, 40-some-odd more, more years later, I don't, don't quote me on that, but it happened. I don't know the timeline, but it happened. Israel went into captivity to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar came in, and through two different sweeps, he began to take Israel captive, and that's where we get Daniel and the, the, the Hebrew boys and all of that. And uh, that's exactly what took place. And I just want to make this statement before I, pr I pray this morning. He ends with this and says, your wife's going to be a harlot, your children are going to die. And you're going to be in a polluted land and you'll die there and it'll be divided and utter destruction in every area of your life. What he was saying is, if you don't want to hear the prophetic word of God, this is what is going to happen to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the word. I thank you for your spirit and presence already. I'm excited and ready to preach the word of God. I pray that you will anoint me. Anoint these lips of clay. Anoint, Lord, this whole service. But God, let your word sink down deep and begin to talk to us today that everyone that hears, whether they're members or visiting, God, I pray that you will begin to arrest their heart down deep in their soul. 
And God, that we would be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Because Lord, I know one day we're going to stand before you. And we're going to have to give an account for this life. I pray your blessing upon this word. And Lord, help me today. And I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I've just, as I said, entitled this, I'm preaching this message called The Plumb Line. God's, the plumb line of God, rather. And God, I began to pray yesterday and the Lord in prayer spoke to me and said, I want you to go to the book of Amos. And I thought, Amos, you know, that's kind of a depressing book. If you've read the book of Amos, I remember Brother Will taught on it and it's just a lot of judgment and a lot of things in there, but it's God's Word. And, uh, you know, after I began to pray, I read, and I'm seeking the Word of God and reading the Word of God, and God spoke to me after I read it all the way from the first to the ninth chapter. I read the whole thing. I read commentary. And then I went to prayer, and the Lord began to speak to me. I said, God, what exactly in the book of Amos do you want me to preach on? And He said, I want you to preach on that plumb line. I thought, I've never preached on the plumb line. I don't think... In my 22 years of pastoring that I've preached probably two or three messages out of the book of Amos. And so, if that. But as I begin to study, and and I'm going to give you a very short foundational, uh, you know, foundation for where I'm going. Amos' time is very similar to our own time today. Amos is a book about prophetic judgment upon Israel. And if you can't see that there is judgment going on all over this world, you have got your head in the sand. Because that's where we're at. It's all culminating to an end time event. I had somebody yesterday, they told me, they said, you know, somebody had shared with them at the church that they were going, that we're living in the time of a new world order and end times. And I said, we are. That's where we're living. That's where we're at. And, uh, you know, you can't just, because you choose not to believe that or don't want to believe that, you're not going to change God's timeline. It's where we're at. But Amos is a book about prophetic judgment upon Israel. From chapter 1, we see how God was moving from the outskirts of countries or nations, and He was moving into Israel. He was pronouncing judgment one after the other. You can read it on your own time, but in the first and second chapters, we read about how He said for three transgressions and four, He began to judge Damascus. He began to judge Gaza. He began to judge Ashdod and Timon and Rabbah and Moab. He is judging all of them. Yet in second, in the second chapter, he says even Judah would experience the judgment of God. And even Israel would suffer punishment. And years later we know that he did, as I shared just a few minutes ago, through Babylonian captivity. Judah and Israel were separated at that time. It used to just be one nation, one kingdom, but God split that after Solomon, and two went this way and ten went this way. It was Israel and Judah. That's, that's just a very short biblical history about that. But God begins to give Amos, the, herd, the herdsman, the fruit picker. He was a fig tree a fruit harvester and he gives him a word and I thought that was so awesome how God picked somebody like Amos and gave him a word and he said a lot but the plumb line ministered to me the most because even though it was an illustration of judgment it gives us hope also 
in everything you read in the Bible, even if it's judgment, look at it and say, Lord, it's a message of warning to me. It's a message to put the fear of God in me because I know that one day I'm going to stand before you and I want to stand before you with a heart that's been redeemed, a soul and life that's been redeemed. And so I take everything in the Bible, not just the whipped cream on the top, not just the blessings on the top, not just the benefits and not just all of the things that you know tell me about the benefits and blessings of God, but also the things that warn me if I don't serve God. I want it all. Amen? I want it all. Now the cross, if you think about it, was an instrument of great judgment. Jesus took our judgment. But it was also a, a, a act that took place that gives us tremendous hope. Amen? The cross will either save you or one day we're going to stand be- you'll stand before Him and He'll say, what did you do with the Savior? I did nothing. I didn't believe in the Savior. He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But to those that put their faith and trust in Jesus as the Savior, that He died for their sins, He's going to say, you believed in Him, you received Him. Enter in, thou good and faithful servant, to the joy of the Lord. Amen. So we're reading this, and the cross was an instrument of great judgment, but it was also a great hope to whosoever puts their faith and trust in the work of the cross, in which, which Jesus did. The plumb line in Amos was God's measuring stick to Israel. He said in verse 8, chapter 7, I will set a plumb line and not pass again by them anymore. Any visitation of God is a blessing to you. We, you know, even the thought that comes to pray, God put that there. The thought to be saved, God put that there. The thought to change your life, God put that there. I have a relative, a nephew, that's going through something right now. And I know it because I was in prayer this morning. And I text him and I begin to share with him. I said, something's wrong, son. I said, because the Spirit of God spoke to me this morning while I was in prayer. And I said, are you okay? And I said, you need to really rededicate your life and you need, to, you need to rededicate your heart and life to God and come back to the Lord. And he texted me back immediately said, God has been dealing with me. I said, I know. Amen, I know. Because he already laid you on my heart. That's how awesome God is. Amen. That's how awesome he is. He comes by our way. But he said, I put that plumb line out there and I'm telling you, this is it right here. Amen. I've done something in your life and from here forward, you're responsible to always look back to that experience or that that truth or that act that God did. It's, it's all inclusive of that plumb line. In other words, let me just say this to you. God touched us. He poured out His Spirit at camp. He ministered and He's changed and turned upside down people in this church for the first time in a long time, your life. Now, you are responsible to do something with what God has done in your life. Amen. So there will be a day of grace that will come to an end. There will come an end to the day of the Gentile. That, you know, because the reason I'm saying this, let me qualify it. The reason I'm saying this is because people will say, well, pastor, God had that plumb line to line up Israel as the wall, line up, show them that they were 
crooked or off or uh, you know not balanced or not doing what they were supposed to be doing it's an illustration but he said I'll not go by there and minister to them again I've given them the final word well that was before the judgment and 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 that Babylon took over and brought them into captivity what he was saying is I've given them everything I'm going to give them I've spoken to them and done for them what I'm going to do now they're responsible and so some would think well is God not a God of grace anymore listen when we get to the closing of the end of the age grace begins to die down and 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 we come into a different dispensation a dispensing of time we've been in a dispensation of the Spirit of God and the grace of God for 2,000 years, but that door is getting ready to close. How do you know that, Pastor? Give me Bible. There's coming the end of the day of the Gentile, the Bible says in the Word. There was a day when the ark was shut. 120 years Noah preached, but there came a day when God shut the door of that ark, and if you didn't get in that ark, you didn't make it through the flood. There was a day and there will be a moment when distinction will be made between the virgins with oil and the virgins without oil. Are you hearing me today? Tribulation saints will inherit heaven, but they will stand for their faith and most likely will be martyred. The Bible says that there will be martyrs during the tribulation period. Why am I saying all of this to you? We're coming to a close where God is saying, I want you to preach and I want you to tell the church, I've established a plumb line and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But we need to know that this is what God is saying. This is what God is doing. And from here forward, everything points back to that point of reference. Everything. That is your guide. That is your square. That is your level. Your balance how do you know pastor that there's not any grace during the time of the tribulation there's only two places in the book of revelation where the word grace is used in the beginning whenever he's talking about a a salutation and he says grace be unto you that read this And then at the very end, in the 22nd chapter, the very last sentence uses the word grace. But there's no grace between the the, the, the even... uh, I know there is during the time of the churches, whenever he's speaking to the churches. But the moment that John is caught up into the heavenlies, into the throne room, you don't hear grace again. I'm going to tell you, there's coming a time... When the the day of grace, the dispensation of grace will stop. Okay? And then everything changes. Now the plumb line prophecy of Amos is a sobering word. What is that to you and I? Write this down. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's that we are to get in alignment with God. We must be in alignment with God. That is His grace. That I have something to line my life up to. I have His Word. I have prayer. I have an experience where He touched me and He made through witness the truth. 
of His Spirit. So this plumb line is an alignment with God. And if I'm over here, I'm not lining up with God. The problem with people and why they're off is because they're not in alignment with God. Now, Israel's wall was crooked and it was off. Spiritually, I don't know that there are regular walls around the, 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 maybe they were, but God said, I want you, Amos, to go as a prophet and tell Israel, I've got a plumb line here, and you have been in idolatry, you've been in disobedience, you've been in rebellion, all of these things, and this plumb line is what is the line of marcation here. This is it, not what you're doing. So line up to the Word of God. Line up what you believe to the Word of God. We were witnessing to a man a couple weeks ago, me and Brother Will, and the statement was, I believe in a higher power. I said, what's his name? Well, I, I said, you know, that's the chicken way out. And I said, on that day, are you going to be one that named the name of Christ because you can't just say, I believe in a higher power. you got to know who your higher power is. My higher power is Jesus Christ. My higher power is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. That's my higher power. It's not some unknown God. Paul went through, and I got scripture for that in the book of Acts. He went through and he said in the Greek, where the Greeks were, he said, you have all of these gods for all of, you have all of these altars for all of these different gods. And you've got an altar there for the unknown God. And he said, but he can be known. He is known. His name is Jesus. His name is God Almighty. The great I am. You can know him. The thing is, if you come in alignment with knowing God, then that means your life's going to have to change. And you can't live in generalities over here and make up God the way you want him to be. So the plumb line prophecy was sobering, get in alignment with God. They were caught up in idolatry. They were caught up in worshiping golden, golden calves and profaned worship, which is man-centered worship. Worship must come back to God-centered, God-defined, not man-defined. Me and Sister Scholars were talking about this this morning. And I said... When churches begin to produce their services, what you've said is the Holy Spirit is not in charge anymore. This structure is. We're going to operate the way we've produced this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't practice or plan or prepare, but you may set out in a service like I have many times to begin to do something, and God goes, we're going this way. I said, I'm going where that cloud's going. Amen. I'm not going to stick to my structure and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I don't care how long it takes. I don't, or, or I'm going to be confined to my time. No, I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to see God, we're going to do it on His time frame. Amen. On His definition of what that is, not ours. Amen. And so we have to be very careful to allow the Holy Spirit to move. A lot of people don't like that. But their demon-possessed aren't set free either. Amen. Praise God. That wasn't loud enough. They're not 
People don't get saved. People don't get filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, we had an idea of we were going to go down and have our chapel at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning and, and the Holy Ghost showed up at 9.20. Amen. And then He didn't stop till five hours later at 3.32. God is the one that was moving and He said, if I can just... Amen. If you will just get out of the way Quit trying to make me fit into your mold and come and just line up to mine. Almighty God. Listen, we got to come back to, to God-centered worship. Worship must come back to God-centered, God-defined, not man-defined. So what does this practically mean to me? I really want you to pay attention because God wants to say something to us from this portion of Scripture. Because the plumb line has great significance to us. It is as if our recent outpouring and visitation from God is in type like the plumb line. It's God's visitation. It's God making a statement. Your connection to me is your only hope. You hear it me? What is my connection to God? What is so significant about this? this is, you're going to like this. You're going to be blessed by this. Listen. Number one, this plumb line is connected to God in heaven. That up there at the top is stationary. It never moves. Why are we to be holy? Because God is holy. That plumb line is, has its point of solid rock foundation. And it's there. The only place that moves is down here. You notice, it's just as solid as a rock up there. I mean, work with me, amen? I know it's hanging by a paper clip. But if it were connected to concrete in an eye bolt, it's stationary there at its origin. Everything else moves. I'm going somewhere. Stay here with me. So that plumb line is stationary at the top. That's God. That's God in heaven. And, and, and it's connected to God in heaven and it comes down here to this earth. It's, his, it's stabilized by God. It's the standard of God. Amen. You know, I, I did a tile wall and I've done tile and I'm not a tiler. I just... You know, had to because I just had to. It just what is what it was. And, and, and I had to step in and do it. I don't like to do it. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. But one thing I know is that the level don't lie. Years ago, we had a men's home and they were going to build me a little block wall around my flower bed. And you know, I, I'm not exactly the sharpest person concerning construction but I got out there in my in the street and I looked and that wall was going like this and I looked and I said you know I mean I know the streets kind of going like this but you know I even went down like this and I thought maybe it would, no we we're still going down and I went over to the to the guy that was doing the and I said brother that's as crooked as a dog's hind leg no, he said, I put a tripod on it. It's straight. I said, it's not. He said, it is, Pastor. Your eyes are deceiving you. I said, well, I'm going to do one thing. 
I said, I'm going to put a line level on there, and if I'm wrong, I'll eat crow. But if I'm right, looks like you got another day ahead of you with a jackhammer and a sledgehammer. He said, go ahead and put one on there. So I put a line level from the end where it was level, took it all the way down to the other side, and that level doesn't lie. And sure enough, as the day is long, is an inch and three quarters, almost two inches shorter on the other end. He just looked, he said, I can't believe that. I said, well, amen. God is not wrong. <laughs> Even everything in science, he validates it. Level is level. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to go even further. Boys are boys and girls are girls. Amen. Oh. So it's stationary at the top. It's connected to God in heaven. It's His standard. It's stabilized by Him. It never changes, never alters, never moves. We're attached. But He never changes. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, amen? The Bible says that He determines what is level, what is balanced, what is straight, and what is square. Not us, not our feelings, not our emotions, not our psychology or our humanistic wisdom and, 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 and philosophy, not our way of thinking. Man does what's right in his own eyes, but I can tell you that only ends up at death. <laughs> a backslider does what he thinks is right in his own eyes. But he ends up at a dead end and he realizes I gotta come back here to God. Amen. So to Israel, especially the priest Amaziah, it seemed foolish and beneath them to hear a farmer and a shepherd prophesying unto them. Oh, you know, sometimes God sends the most unbelievable people to come and minister to you. You know, you're looking at me today. You say, you've been our pastor for 22 years. We love you. Amen. I'm grateful that you love me. But whenever, you know, before God saved me, I was a mess. You were too. Nobody would have ever listened to me. Nobody even believed I got saved. But I did. God saved me. I stand here today washed in the blood of the Lamb. And through God touching my life, He has put a word in my heart, caused me to start this church. And here I am 22 years later today. Happy birthday, New Life Church of La Habra. <laughs> Continuing to preach the word of God. But one of the things that was hard for me to receive and accept was the fact that anybody would listen to anything that I had to say and that I had anything to say in the first place. First service we ever had. I had a, a podium that was this wide. Had a speaker in the middle. That was my sound system. And it was 25 years old. With a microphone that had a six foot cord. So I was like, whoa, can't go too far there. Whoa. But I preached and I made that speaker bleed. 
Oh, Al Malone was there. His wife, Sherry, they had been out of church for a while. He said, I'll tell you what, brother. He said, you know, I want to come, and I got brothers I'll bring, bikers, they'll come. He said, my wife, he said, you know, she's, she's, she's hard to get a hold of. Well, the Holy Ghost stepped in, and she was in the altar. She's weeping and crying. They were there Sunday night. He goes, she, she barely went to church Sunday morning for, for, for her to come Sunday night. God got a hold of her. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord anointed me. I, I'm just Jonathan. I'm nobody. I'm just a country bumpkin from Barnhart, Missouri. A population 1475. Wow. <laughs> Why would anybody listen to me? The Lord said, that old farmer, Amos, he seems foolish. He seems beneath them to hear a shepherd prophesy. But God chooses the foolish and the base things to confound the wise. We will arrive at the day that Christians will be viewed as ignorant, uneducated, stupid idiots. We're almost there. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Let me just give you something to give you a hope. We're right, and they're wrong. Just remember, he is the plumb line. And all I know is this. We're right. That world is wrong. Amen. Amen. The religious tried to come against Jesus, but he was right, and they were wrong. They tried to come against the disciples, but they were right. And the religious were wrong. They were, they were seeing blinded eyes open. They were seeing, you know, demon-possessed set free. They were seeing people healed. They were seeing one miracle after another, after another, after another. They were seeing fruit and evidence because they were right. And the world was wrong. All I know is this. The spiritual law that God is right in truth. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life has never changed. The law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's never changed. If you come to Jesus and you let His Spirit touch you, it'll bring you out of a dark place. It'll put you on a path, a solid foundation. Amen. God will make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. He'll give you a new set of faculties. He'll deliver you from addiction. He'll deliver you from perversion. He'll deliver you from homosexuality. He'll deliver you from adultery. He'll deliver you from depression. He'll deliver you from anxiety. He will deliver Deliver you from the devil if you will begin to come and line up to that word and say, I believe in the law of the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus. It broke the chains of sin. It broke the stronghold of the enemy. It's the only thing that will change you. It's the only thing that will change you, William. The only thing that will change you, Danny. The only thing that will change you, Philip. Only thing that will change you, Roger. Only thing that will change all of us in here. The law of the spiritual. The law of God. The law that, you know what? Now, because Jesus died and rose 
from the grave. Everybody that believes in him can come to that cross that never changes. It will never not work. It will never not work. The, how, how do you know that, Pastor? Because there have been times that old devil come growling in my ear and I said, get behind me in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Anytime you plead the blood of Jesus, the Bible says the devil's afraid of that. Amen, amen. He don't like that blood. But hallelujah, demons tremble at the name of Jesus. So I know the blood works. 32 years almost of being a Christian in July. 32 years, many, many, many times I've had to speak the name of Jesus. I've had to plead the blood of Jesus. And every time, He works. It works. It's a plumb line that's never changed. Never. The proof is in the pudding or the plumb line. The world, they say your experiences is something you can create yourself. I said, really? I said, why don't you use that same idiotic way of thinking for your own remedies? Because if your pills to take care of depression work so great, then how come you got to take them for a lifetime? Amen. Uh, yeah. Listen, I'm on a roll this morning. <laughs> nothing the world offers, nothing the world offers can help you. It may dull your pain for a second. I'm not going to act like that. When they offered Jesus gall and vinegar on the cross, He refused it because it was a numbing factor. But God doesn't want to numb your pain. He wants to remove it. He wants to heal it. He doesn't want to band-aid it. He wants to heal it. Come on, church. God doesn't want to numb your pain. He wants to remove your pain. Nothing the world offers will help you. David said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. How do you know that works, Pastor? Because He's already healed my mind. He's already healed my body. He's already done great and awesome things in my life. He's already proven Himself true. Amen. Hallelujah. So I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Hallelujah. My help cometh from the Lord. Glory to God. And you say, but but pastor, but pastor, you know, David said, my heart is overwhelmed within me. Oh, I'll finish the scripture. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to that rock that I can stand upon. Lead me to that rock that's going to put me upon a platform of a higher place, amen, above my circumstances and situations. <laughs> my trust is not in a moving point or reference, but in Christ, my solid rock. And everything in the world is moving. 
You know, the Lord gave me this analogy, and I'm not a scientist, and I want to stay here for just a minute. But you know, when you're in a plane, you know, when you start to take off, you feel the thrust. It throws you back in that seat, okay, when you're taking off. But you get up there, and they just keep increasing that speed, increasing that speed, increasing that speed until I don't know how fast planes go, probably three, 300 miles an hour or something. Some, sometimes they say even higher than that, you know. Uh, I'm sure some planes go almost 400 miles an hour. I mean, they're fast, fast. They're flying across, you know, uh, the, the whole world to get you to a place in hours. And I thought, Lord, I'm in that plane, and I'm going at the same speed that that plane's going. Even though I'm not moving, I'm moving with the, the, the momentum of that plane. If we'll just get in line, God is going someplace, but he, you're not going to be moved. You're just flowing with the current. You're just going with where He's going. But the world, God stays stationary, but the world is constantly moving. Their goalposts are constantly being changed and moved. Amen. Just take the last two years with coronavirus. First it was this, then it was that. Then you got to get vaccinated. Then, well, uh, maybe the vaccinations, you can still get COVID even though you get the vaccination. Don't anybody send me any ugly emails. You all know it's true. Amen. There's been as many people get it with the vaccination as there's been those that didn't have it. Amen. And they don't even allow you to have, you know, immunity. And I'm not here on a soapbox. I'm just here telling you that they constantly move. Dr. Fauci's constantly moving the goalposts. Well, masks work. No, they don't work. Well, vaccinations are going to be the cure. Well, you can still get COVID. They have nothing that's stable, but God is stable. God is stable. His plumb line don't move. That's just one point. I said, you know, amazing. 6,000 years, there's only been two genders, but now we got eggheads in Washington, the social scientists of the age, that say now there's 45 different genders. No, there's not. For crying out loud, how stupid. You either have one part or another part. And if you choose to remove it, that's on you, but you're still what God created you to be. For years it was science, 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 science. I said, well, why don't you believe the science that you told us to believe all these years? Science didn't even change. The goalposts changed. You know where I'm going here. Amen. Folks, listen. Do whatever you feel like you need to do concerning vaccinations or whatever. I don't criticize anybody. I'm just telling you right now. They don't even know what they're talking about. They change every week. Like you change your socks, they change. So you know what I said? I'm not going to listen to them anymore. I'm going to put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if I really believe, 
If I really believe, amen, that God's, my life is in God's hands, when He's done with me, He's going to take me anyway. So, if God's not done with you, you will not die. And you know what? Some people don't believe it anyway, even though they say they do. They won't come to church, but they'll go to a concert. I just lost some people. I don't care. Amen. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> They'll say, I, I, I'm not going to come to church. I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID with all those unmasked people. I said, let me tell you something. You went out in the world where there was unmasked people. You have at least the accountability and we believe and hope and pray and I put this on you as a congregation that you will at least say, you know what, Pastor? If I feel sick, I've had them call me and say, I'm not going to come to church. You at least have that integrity that you don't have a right aid in Stater Brothers. Said, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going there no more. I'm not going there no more. I'm not going to pay my tithe. I'm not going to. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You, whoever, wherever, here or on the, on, the, on the video, live, you are not my source. He is my source. And when people in the church said, I'm leaving, I'm not going to line up to the will of God, the Word of God, what God's Word says, I said, Lord, they left. He said, they're not your source. Amen. When there wasn't no money in the bank, God sent somebody through the doors and He brought it from outside of the church. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Some of the biggest offerings we've ever received came from outside of the church. Really, Pastor? Yeah. God said, you ain't got to worry about nothing. I will take care of you. Just preach. Just preach. Don't worry about what people are going to say to you. I'm, I am your supplier. I am your provider. I will take care of you. Amen. And just like Amos, you got to preach the word, preacher. No matter whether they tell you, go prophesy in Judah. Don't prophesy here to us. We don't want to hear it. That doesn't change the fact that what I'm saying is true. And it will come to pass. Listen. Listen. My trust is not in a moving point of reference but in Christ, my solid rock. Today, remember that. Remember that, the plumb line. Remember that. Because in the midst of an ever-changing rule a world, with ever-changing rules, with ever-changing laws, ever-changing viewpoints and interpretations of all sorts of things, from science to economics to everything else to history, everything's changing, but God never changes. 
He's the same. Our only hope and stability is the plumb is in the plumb line of God. And remember, the origin is stable. It's us that are moved and lose our place. Sometimes, and I'm gonna just share just a little bit more here. I only got one more page, so stay here with me for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Amen. I'm learning to cut it short. Hallelujah. But praise the Lord. Sometimes the winds of doctrine they come to try to move us away from what we know is God's word and the stableness of God up there the plumb line gets moved I'm going to tell you because the winds of doctrine move it my daughter-in-law was out and a woman approached her on the street ministry or a, a I shouldn't say street ministry but in front of a store and she was talking to her about the Bible, and so Priscilla, you know, she's like, okay, you know, we, we do street ministry, and that's so we want to show respect, especially to people that are doing what we're doing. But she said, you know, everybody needs to learn about the mother of God. Priscilla's just standing there, and she's probably thinking, is she talking Mary? Is she talking... And I think she just asked her a question and she said, no. She said, there is God the mother. Most people would go, oh, okay. Yeah, let me have one of your pamphlets and just walk off. Or they would let them say that to you. But Priscilla goes, no. Uh-uh. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You don't understand. You don't. She goes, no, that's not in the word of God. Give me Bible. Well, I, 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 you know, the Spirit, and, and she goes, no, 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 Bible, chapter, verse, Scripture. Not what you think, not what you've interpreted on your own, not your own private interpretation, Bible. Oh, she said she got vehemently upset with me. That's because when you can't back it up with the Bible, it's not of God. Well, I can tell you, some time ago, there was a movie that came out that made God a woman. And everybody scooped it up. And I'm going, no, 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 no. The Bible never calls God in a female gender. Never. But millions of people bought into it. Well, that changed my life. I said, well, let me tell you something. There are people that cannot handle a father figure in their life. And the moment that there's one that hits them on the head, they get angry and upset about it. So I'm going to tell you right now, God is a father. Amen. It's clear in the Bible. I had an electrician. He was telling me that. And he said, well, you know, that, that really helped me. And it helped me to understand about God. And I said, how so? I said, whenever it completely depicts God in an erroneous way. I said, tell me one place in that Bible where it talks about God deity. As a female, it doesn't. I said, I am not here. I am not a chauvinist. I am not a male chauvinist. I am not discriminatory or anything like that. I'm married to a beautiful woman. I have respect for women. There are preachers that come down harsh and hard on women. I am not that person. But I am telling you this. When you change the very origin and identity of God, 
you've stepped on some dangerous ground. And so that's why we have the Bible. We have the plumb line that tells us whether it's off or not. Not your thoughts, not your feelings, not your emotions, not what you think. What God says in his word. And, and, and you may not even know this if you're visiting or maybe you're new to this church, but you got a pastor that's very, very careful and safe to stick to the Word of God. I don't get out there on these fringe because I got some giants in this church. They'd march right up to me and say, Hey, where'd that come from? The new trucker's edition of the Bible? There's a, there's a, there is a, Translation out there is not even a translation, but a, a reference Bible, I guess. It's called the Passion Bible, and it is dangerous. But people scoop it up. Don't get mad at Pastor. I care about your soul, and I want you to be lined up with truth because only truth is going to set you free. So, going back to this real quick here, we must know the word. We must know the Word of God. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, mighty God, I'm having a great time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is what the Bible says. It says, And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about. With every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cutting craftiness. Whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now listen, at times, winds of doctrine will move you, try to move you off point. That's why you got to know your word. Reproof, doctrine. At times, winds of disobedience get us out of balance and alignment and order in our lives. The plumbing line, the plumb line is the point of reference. It's the anchor. Amen. At times, even winds of spiritual experience. Now hold on here, folks. Hold on here. I didn't get this out of a book. Except the book. At times, even winds of spiritual experience can disturb the soundness in our lives and move us away from what God is doing and saying and what is His litmus test or His plumb line, His boundary. How do you know that, Pastor? Give me scripture and verse. You know, Elijah, Elijah saw God move in a powerful way. Okay, He saw the fire fall from heaven and lick up and consume that sacrifice. Okay, And what happened? 
Jezebel said, there's a target on your head, buddy. God help me if you're not dead by the end of the day. Woo! Amen. Hell hath no scorn or knows no scorn than the scorn of a woman that's angry. Amen. I had a woman one time, she told me, I got so mad, I went in that bathroom and wanted to bash the mirror in, but I didn't do that, so I just took all the stuff on the counter and just swiped it off into the floor. I thought, there went all your makeup, all your beauty products. I said, you sabotaged your own self. Now, so what did Elijah do? He gird up that garment, and he took off running. Because he said, she's after me. The man that just called fire down from heaven just saw 400 prophets of Baal thrown over the cliff into the Kidron Valley or that hillside. Now he's running from a threat from Queen Jezebel. And he finds himself under a juniper tree. And a lot of people say he was there because of the fear of Jezebel. I'm not going to say that he wasn't. I believe that he was. But with that, coupled with that, was the sadness and the sorrow and the frustration or disappointment that God just poured out His Spirit mightily and Israel didn't even blink. They never even changed in that moment. They were just like, that's why he said, how long halt you between two opinions? God's getting ready to show up. But even when God shows up, people still do their own thing. When you've poured out your heart and you've fasted and you've prayed and you've saw God move in a powerful way, and then people go, eh. You're like, wow. That's why that pastor goes and they say, always pray for your pastor Monday morning. Because he's sitting in that chair and he's going, what did I say wrong? What did I do that didn't just cause them all to run to the altar? Where did I miss it? So Elijah's sitting there under that juniper tree. He's in that cave. And all of a sudden he sees a, hears a wind. He sees the earthquake. He sees the fire. And God said, I'm not in that wind. I'm not in that earthquake, and I'm not in that fire, but I am in that still, small voice. I'm in that still, small voice. Amen? What what am I saying to you? There are spiritual experiences that take place in our life, and if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of the fact that even though we didn't see what we wanted to see, or we got attacked after we saw a great move of God. Come on now. Am I the only one that got attacked after a great move of God? You know y'all did. Amen. But when you, when you see God move, and then you know your feelings, your emotions, your spiritual experiences take you to a place where you're like, it, it, it wasn't supposed to be like this. You can't let that move you. You have to say, my faith is in Him and, and, and that plumb line. God hasn't changed even though my spiritual experience may have moved me over here and caused me to wonder about a lot of things. 
had a man one time, he started going to the, he was on fire for God. Wanted to go to the prisons and jails with us, so I took him. And then his life went, and he quit. And everything was great until I started going to the, the jails. That's all the devil had to do to you was just shake up your life a little bit, get in a, get in a fight with mama and lose a, a contract. and That's all the devil had to do. God was going to use you. But you, 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 you quit and you abandoned and aborted that mission because you're more concerned about the things here than you are what God's will is. Hallelujah. At times, life events or worldly events get us off balance and out of level. This has rocked a lot of people. It rocked Job, but he hung in. He hung on to that plumb line. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? You've lost everything. Now you still have integrity and confidence in God. Even though he's taken everything from you, you lost your family. Now you're sick. You're scraping boils off of your body with ashes and a sackcloth upon, upon your body and ashes upon your head. And you're still holding on to God. And he said, "Though he said, woman, you speak like a foolish woman. Though he slay me, I'll trust him. I cannot move away from what I know about God. Even though my feelings may want me to. Even though circumstances may cause me to feel a certain way. God is still God. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. And one day I'm going to see him face to face. John the Baptist was in the prison. And he called and sent messengers to Jesus. And he said, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? The man who knew Jesus by God's revelation more than anybody in his debut. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And now he's in prison because he's been arrested for preaching the gospel and he's questioning everything. Jesus said, John, the plumb line. He didn't say the plumb line, but what he was saying is blinded eyes are opened. People are being saved. People are being delivered. People are being healed. Demons are being cast out of people. Don't look at what you're seeing in your own life. Always revert back to the foundation of God. That plumb line has not moved. Your emotions have moved. Worldly things have caused you to move. A lot of people, they moved away from God. In fact, they moved out of the church and they never came back. But guess what? God never changed. He still had somebody come in here. They go, oh, wow, the presence of God is still here. I said, he didn't leave when you left. He's still here. Just because you left and you thought you were holding it up, you weren't, brother. But God was (laughs) 22 years later. Amen. Oh, some people know who I'm talking about. Amen. I'm telling you, he's still here. He ain't never moved. He's still here. 22 years later. Amen. And he's moving in a greater way than ever before. Praise God. I went on that, that to the conference. I'm getting ready to close. I went to that conference and I'm sharing with people, oh yeah, we had an outpouring of God. Brother Jared came, had men and women filled with the Holy Ghost, children, young people, young adults, people set free from bondages and oppressions. God began to speak. He stirred the waters of the heart of that church. And I said, God is moving. Had almost 30 people filled with the Holy Ghost. You would think people would be like, yes, amen, I rejoice with you. They're looking at me like, I'm like, I better get over here in front of the plumb line because they're not very happy for me. 
God said, not everybody's going to be as excited as you are. <laughs> amen. But it, when it's, whenever it's happening in their life, amen, they want to shout and praise. <laughs> praise God. I don't care about a new building. I don't care about a big church. I don't care about a lot of money. But I do care about your spiritual experience with God and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I care about that. That is the foundation of this church and of the kingdom of God and everything eternal, the plumb line. Almighty God, hallelujah. We must always come back to our default position. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just say this. Listen, that's what four years ago I had a, a Macintosh, amen. Still got it. Somebody made fun of me because I said Macintosh. I said Macintosh was here before Mac was. We were using Macintoshes in the 80s, okay? So, but I took my MacBook, MacBook Pro or whatever it is because I had so much stuff on there and pictures and all this. And somehow it crashed. They say, Apple, don't ever crash. Yeah. Go ahead and believe what they say. It crashed. But I took it into the geek squad. And they said, you're going to lose all of this stuff. But we can recover your Mac back to its default position. And you just kind of got to start over. And I said, I'd rather do that than spend $1,000, probably $1,500 now for a new laptop. So they fixed it. I got it back. It was like brand new, quicker than ever. God said to me this morning, he said, some people in the church, he said, they've been so full of everything, it's bogged them down. They've moved. They're, they're not functioning like they're supposed to be spiritually. And they need to go back to that default position in God. The fundamentals that never change. Amen. The fundamentals that never change. The God that steps in. The God that steps in. Come on now. That's what we need in this hour. We need men of God who know God. Who know the word of God. It blessed me. Becky's mom told me years ago. Becky had a spinal tap or something that happened in her body. And she was young. She's in the hospital. And, and, and the family's just, they don't know what to do. There's, there's a need financially and all that. And so, you know, when we're young, we just kind of panic. We don't know what to do. But she said, Keith's dad, who was a man of God, stepped in that hospital, walked up there. He said, what needs to be done? This. Do it. Do this. Here's how you're going to pay for it. All of this. We're going to pray. Everything. He stepped in. And he stepped in and he took care of business. When we need God, all these other things that we've made God, we're going to find out that we got to come back to the one that will step in and just take care of it. The Word of God will take care of it. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. That plumb line will not change. It will always come back to this. It stays the same. I close, I promise you right now with this last scripture. 
Hebrews 6 verse 16. The Bible says this in Hebrews 6 16. Stay with me because we're going to open up the altars for you to pray for a little bit here. But Hebrews 6 16 says this. Amen. He said, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. We're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability. What is that? The unchangeableness. The God that doesn't change. Immutability means it doesn't change. So unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure, steadfast, and which entereth into the into that within the veil when Jesus died on the cross he went up to glory there's a throne room and we can come before the throne of grace the veil was ripped in two you don't have to go through the priest you don't have to go through anybody else you can come directly to the throne of God and he is that one that is said unto us that you can come before the throne of grace in your time of need and obtain what you need amen you can get what you need you've got to know that never changes this plumb line never changes I got hit head on May 4th May 5th and I went into that bathroom at UCI and God reminded me you were here in 2006 when you fell off that ladder and hit your head same hospital same trauma center And he said, I'm still the same God. And once again, I walked out of that hospital, putting my faith and trust in God. I stand here today to tell you, you can anchor in Christ and know He is as solid as a rock of Gibraltar. Amen. Don't put your trust in anything else. Lean not upon your own understanding. Lean upon Him. Brother, sister, friend, visitor, where are you at with God this morning? Because I'm going to tell you that world is ever changing, but God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Will you put your faith and trust in the plumb line of God, which is attached to heaven? And will be your point of reference for every area of your life, whatever you need. Amen. His word will never pass away. Amen. Father, today, I thank you for this time to come and to have preached the word. The anchor will hold in spite of the storm. And today, Lord... As we come before you, I pray that you will minister to every person in this house. That lives will be touched. Lives will be changed. People will be touched and ministered to from your word today. And find themselves in this altar. 
Draw by your spirit. Draw by your power. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to talk to you. Where are you at this morning? Because the Lord wants you to come to him so that your life can get straightened out. It may be crooked. It may be off. You may be off base. God wants to bring you back in alignment. And he wants to touch you today. Whether it's a wind of doctrine that you believe that's a lie, that's caused confusion or frustration or disappointment or just error. Maybe it's an emotional thing you're going through. Maybe it's the way of the world. You say, my life seems to be okay, but I'm just concerned about everything in the world. You can't put your faith and trust in the governments of this world or the things of this world. You've got to put your faith and trust in God. Everyone listening to me today is your day of salvation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you can today. We've got people that will pray with you. This morning, I want to open these altars for people that do not know Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't know the Lord is your Savior. Today is your day of salvation. And I'm encouraging you to come.